Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm Kenyon. I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. And this is our first Patreon exclusive video episode. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you loved watching us on video on Facebook for the last Mm -hmm. 10 episodes or 10 episodes or so that we put out, uh, and most people did, though a lot of trolls didn't, but I kind of lived for it. A lot of pirates on Facebook Yeah, the trolls are my fave. But um, now the trolls will have to support on Patreon at any level to access video episodes of the show. Every main episode of the show will be on Patreon on video. I'll make that promise just yet. Maybe not every. Every main one. As many as we can stand to do. I will be pushing forward on video hard. (laughs) I'll be your video champion, listeners. You can count on me. Maybe some episodes will just be me in video and not the other two. People would like it. People would be on board, I think. We'll make Mm -hmm. it work. But yeah, just so you know, now to access video content, head over to patreon.com forward slash wine and crime podcast. Right? Is that the, the link, right? I think that's the link or Wine and Crime Pod. One of those. One of those. Search for Wine and Crime. (laughs) Google it. (laughs) And uh, and yeah, any any amount of donation monthly on up from one dollar a month on up, you Mm -hmm. get full access to all the bonus content. Get it. All right. So this week we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Emily Mitchell. Oh. And Emily is uh, dedicating this topic to their twin sister, Amanda. What? There's another person named Amanda. There's there can more only than be one. one. Um, oh, God. <laughs> and the topic is sister, sister crimes. Oh, mm-hmm. man. Um, also, uh, Emily writes, Mansky. Mano Mango Berry, I love you. Thank you for always being there for me. You are the best friend a girl could ask for. Love, Emsky. Aw, that's nice. Mansky and Emsky. So, sister, sister crimes, and I loved this topic. This was awesome. My case is horrific. So, get ready for the wine. Fucked up, too, but there are moments of levity. I don't well, think mine have a single Let's moment. get to the wine so I can get yeah. through this. Yeah. <laughs> what is our wine crime pairing, Mansky, Mango Berry? Oh. 
Uh, mango berry here. Uh, this week we are drinking Wink Wine Club's Yay Yay Tempranillo because yes. it reminded me of the divine secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is way less dark yeah, yeah. than the stories that we'll be covering today. So grab your wine. Um, quick reminder for those just joining us: welcome. We're sorry, and head to trywink.com for forward slash gals that's t-r-y-w-i-n-c dot com forward slash gals to get twenty dollars off your first order of wink wines mm-hmm. it's an online wine club that delivers wine to your door mm-hmm. I, I also mean, feel like we should open every episode with welcome we're and sorry, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we apologize but also we are continuing exactly yep. as before and we're gonna make it right mm-hmm. by leading you to become a member of Wink Wine Club. It's amazing. <laughs> if you do become a member, which all three of us have been now for several years, you get member pricing. You get um, all these amazing recommendations. They, like, learn what you like, and they make mm-hmm. recommendations for you. Um, put four or more bottles in your cart, which is so easy to do. Mm-hmm. And they take care of the shipping. And as long as you are 21 and they deliver to your state or your local Walgreens, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. You can also also buy a la carte it makes an amazing gift you know it's just the gift of wine give it to yourself give it mm-hmm. to a friend mm-hmm. so yeah and check i it out. live in a state now that wink is cannot, in the united states is in the united states but also that wink cannot ship to so they can't ship to kentucky so i'm having my wine shipped to a walgreens across the river in indiana i love it and nice. picking it up once a month and i'm very excited cheat that system girl mm. smart um, so this Tempranillo is sourced from high elevation vineyards that are organically farmed. We love an organic farm. Mm. The wide swing in temperatures from day to day and into day into night provides grapes that have great quality and ripe tannins. And this wine leads with bright red fruit that's balanced with savory herb and a touch, just a kiss, just a just a whisper, whisper. of oak. So it's fruit forward with an earthy balance. It has a nice dry finish. And this Spanish red clocks in at 13% ABV. Such a beautiful, beautiful balanced wine. I am Mm -hmm. so excited. And it's a crack. So you don't even have to struggle through the hardships of your life to get it open. And Lucy is going to do the honors today in cracking a wine since Mm -hmm. I didn't wait. And this wine is already open. (laughs) Since I'm drinking. I needed some assistance to finish my case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking a different Wink wine because it's all I drink anymore. I okay, love here we go. all of their roses. Yeah, that's They're a really good rosé. so rose. good. Yeah. This is the Coco Mero rosé. Yum. Okay, here <laughs> we go. I just put lotion on. Fuck. Okay. <laughs> okay, here we go. Oh. Yay! Nice, nice, crack. Crack. soft, and crack. crack. I just put lotion on oh, every god. time. Ugh. Every time. Oh god! I I just took a bath in essential oils and I just Ugh. slid across my hardwood floors to get into my office, and now I can't get this wine open. <laughs> no, just me. Oh, I too am in an office. I'm in an Airbnb, so I get to drink out of a mug. Cheers. Um, cheers. Okay, so 
Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for sister-sister crimes? Is it basically just a rant about your sister? Sister, who you used sister, to have? never know how much <laughs> I miss her. First of all, I would like to say this is not my normal recording space, so if I look kind of weird, maybe dark, maybe there's trash behind me, it's because <laughs> Iowa, a swath of Iowa, got yes. fucking wrecked. Yes. By what is essentially a hurricane. It was yep. category three hurricane winds. Mm-hmm. Destroyed, destroyed Cedar Rapids and mm-hmm. like Marshalltown, mm-hmm. Eastern cities, but kind of fucked up Des Moines too. So I didn't have power for five and a half days. Still don't have internet. It's really so- bad. Iowa is like number one in corn, soy, uh, and pig production. And crops have been so devastated by this storm that you can uh, literally see the the broken down crops from the storm from space. Yeah, I sent these guys this picture from NASA. It's just like a bald spot on yeah. Iowa. So this Iowa is, has alopecia now. Yeah. Yes. So like if you think this doesn't affect you because you don't live in the Midwest or live in Iowa, like it will because it a lot just of crop wait. has been completely destroyed. 43% so. of our crops and mm-hmm. I don't know about the percentage of pork production I don't know that they know yet, but like, think of all those mm-hmm. plants that have that have live pigs and also just pork meat, unable to refrigerate mm-hmm. it. Huge, huge yeah. losses. The food chain is fucked. The infrastructure is fucked. So, if you can do anything to help out, particularly residents of Cedar Rapids, Marshalltown, Quad Cities, those areas, they they need it. It's going to be several weeks before they get electricity. Mm-hmm. And just, I, just what we need in the middle of a global pandemic is yeah. Folks, I saw some news hundreds about of thousands of folks without power. Mm-hmm. I heard Millions. the words fire tornado earlier today, and I'm like, can we just get a fucking break? Just <laughs> sharknado. Just yeah. So anyway, I'm also trying not to yell because I'm in like a, a like a collective working space. <laughs> There's mm-hmm. other people here, so. But I have my wine. And I also have a candle, but I can't find any matches. Oh, honey, just just sniff it every once in a while. Yeah, Yeah, just go deep in there. Just puff that extinct candle. Yeah. It's like vanilla. It's uh, not a good dry smell. Anyway. Puff it. Okay, so first we have to address the elephant in the room. I used to fucking love that show. So Zach, Uh, when I told him the topic of this stuff or the topic of this topic, he was like, he was like, what if you guys purposely went the entire episode without referencing sisters Tia and Tamara and had your fans lose their damn minds? And I was like, no, I'd lose my damn mind. We couldn't. I have had that theme song stuck in my head for weeks. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. So, Sister, Sister, the show, the WB hit, ran Mm -hmm. for five years, which was six whole seasons. And I feel like that's incredible. That's a lot. It's a lot. So, Mm -hmm. the show stars Tia and Tamara Mowry, who play twins Tia Landry and Tamara Campbell, identical twins who were separated at birth and reunited at a shopping mall 14 years later. Oh, love it. so good. So this is the 
synopsis of the premise from Wikipedia, and I just think <laughs> I thought. Can we just only really have this be your segment, and then once <laughs> you're done reading the synopsis, it's just okay, moving on, and then we get into brutal <laughs> murder. It's the majority of my segment. I'm not yes. lying. <laughs> okay. I'm this thrilled. is from the Sister Sister Wikipedia page. Quote, Tia Landry, played by Tia Mowry, is the intelligent twin from inner city Detroit where her adoptive mother, Lisa, played by Jack A. Harry, works as a seamstress. Tamara Campbell, played by Tamara Mowry, is the boy-crazy twin from the suburbs, where her adoptive father, Ray, played by Tim Reed, owns a successful limousine service. Mm. After their unexpected reunion, Ray reluctantly allows Tia and Lisa to move in because Lisa was about to take a job in St. Louis, which would have separated the girls yet again. Mm -hmm. The girls... The girl's neighbor is nerdy Roger Evans, an annoying Roger. teenager who's inf- infatuated with both of them. Because really, what's the difference? Every <laughs> ish, and every like sitcom around this time like had an Urkel because of like oh, yeah. the popularity this, of seeing so Urkel formulaic. as a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so nerdy Roger Evans evolves into a perfect gentleman that they both find attractive. What could go wrong? <laughs> in the oh, final no. season, when the girls go off to college, Roger ceases to appear in the series because he was still in high school, though mm-hmm. he does return as a guest in the final episode. In the sixth season episode qu- called Father's Day, the twins meet their biological father. Okay, I forgot how kind of fucked up the end of this show turned into. Well, yeah, I was going to ask because... Adopted? Yeah, neither yeah, parent ad- is the... Biological parent. Biological Correct. parent, Neither right? Lisa... Okay. Nor uh, uh, Ray. Tim. Ray. No, the single mother. It, we'll, we'll get to it. The twins meet their biological father, Matt Sullivan, a white, famous photojournalist who never married their mother, Russell Gavin. Okay, so yes, it is. Yeah, they were both adopted, I think. Both yeah. adopted out. Because they never got the chance. Okay. Reason enough, I guess. Because he's okay. a piece of shit who chose she his stuff career came over up. his familiar responsibility. We'll get to it. She was asked to paint a mural in Florida, and he was assigned to, quote, the opportunity of a lifetime in the Middle East. Vague. When he left, Russell told him she'd join him in Tel Aviv, but never mentioned her pregnancy. And after six months, she just stopped writing. When she died, Matt wasn't allowed to see the girls because he couldn't prove he was their father because it mm-hmm. was 1996. Mm-hmm. Right. Actually, it was like 92. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and when he searched for them later, he never found them because they had been adopted separately. Mm-hmm. So I'm fully in the mood to watch reruns, and I've heard yep. rumors of like a remake, I, like a I Netflix. Think, I think they are rebooting it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well... Nothing. Twenty twenty is not all bad if we're getting a sister sister movie. <laughs> well, I don't think it'll air in twenty twenty. That's a twenty twenty one ray of light at the end of the tunnel. We really need twenty twenty one to fucking bring it. Okay, yeah. bring it. Enough of this fucking shit. I personally like a refund. If we can just like tack on an extra mm-hmm. year of life, that'd yep. be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. like to speak with count. the manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the word sister is derived from Proto-Germanic swester. Swester, swester. Swester, swester, swester. You're all Uncle Fester. <laughs> I love Fester, Fester. <laughs> 
The term has been adopted colloquially to mean a close kinship, Mm -hmm. and some publishers prefer the term female sibling over sister to avoid confusion. Mm. Um, Speaking of which, there are varied opinions on whether the term sister or sis Mm -hmm. can be appropriated by white people because it's been popularized largely by the LGBTQ community and also the black community. Mm -hmm. So this is a section from a Vice article, not that like Vice is the greatest, but um, you know cultural issues. I think it's just mm-hmm. safe to assume that anything like trendy or catchy we got from like black women. Let's oh, just assume that and yeah. and the they LGBT have created community. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So we I yeah, I don't I don't think it's appropriate to be like, "Hey sis." You know, I I don't do it, but I'm not I mean, I don't know. I just if it makes me if it gives me pause, I yeah. just avoid. Right. Just be aware of who you are as the speaker and who your audience is mm-hmm. and maybe take this person's advice into consideration. Quote, mm-hmm. Nicole R. Holiday, an assistant linguistics professor at Pomona College. I want a Paloma. Oh, yeah, me too. Really good. Asserts that while we have a shared understanding of what the words mean, we pro- of what words mean, we process meaning, especially for things that are more social within its context. She believes that cis, in addition to being a religious title, represents kinship and power amongst marginalized groups, especially in the LGBTQ community. So she says, for gay men, cis is subversive because they challenge hegemonic masculinity. Mm -hmm. By calling each other women, they're taking back power, saying, well, fuck this structure. We have our own thing. Um, It's kind of like certain words said casually mm-hmm. within the black community or like women calling each other bitch. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just, it's like a mm-hmm. identifiable, you know, it's right. When you're, your, when you're like, it's mocked a term and, within an in group, right? Yeah. If you're like mocked and made fun of for being mm-hmm. effeminate in the LGBTQ community, I could see how using that terminology takes and using feminine back. language takes the power back. I think yeah. that makes yep. sense. Um, in its most recent iteration, we've seen cis go from a devout term with religious overtone to black LGBTQ nomenclature that captures a sense of endearment and communalism sacred to the community. Mm-hmm. Quote, I think that the thing about the internet and meme culture specifically is that usually it tends to try and tackle really, really big subjects with one word, like cis, for example, sure. mm-hmm. says Miles E. Johnson, Afropunk's senior content editor. I've so- been to Afropunk. Great. It was really fun. (laughs) Proud of you. (laughs) I didn't call anyone sis. Okay. So I think (laughs) the real thing that's happening around the world, around the word sis, is this gender revolution, that kind of non-binary conversation. So, Mm. again, it is completely appropriate and welcome in certain communities, but, again, just be aware of who you are and what the context is that you're using any word, well, really. And the same thing also with brother, which I feel like mm-hmm. is more... There there are lines and boundaries on who can mm-hmm. can use the word brother yeah, for or like a friend the, the or like colloquially. Bro is yeah. much more like, you know, Race very... neutral. Right, but yeah, act, yeah the, like the term brother or sister, I always associate with you know, the BIPOC community embracing yeah. each other as a marginalized group. And w- right. I would not personally use that, right. use that language. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's also kind of, they were, this article was talking about how like, if 
if if we can adapt the word guys as like a gender neutral term, like, oh, hey, guys, I call mm-hmm. you two guys all yeah. the time. It's kind of along the same lines. But at the same time, I'm trying to be more aware about how when and how I use the word guys just because, you know, patriarchy. Yeah, yeah I for sure. completely that can... axed it from my vernacular. But working in the service industry for so long, like, really drives that home because you don't want to assume any, like, gender of the mm-hmm. guests that you're approaching. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, completely trained myself to only say folks or y'all. That's mm-hmm. it. I, I didn't use mm-hmm. any other ones because you don't want to get yourself in a situation where you're misgendering somebody. Yeah. So, I definitely uh, still say it, but it's not – Yeah. It's, just it's harder to break out of when you're almost. not, like, in a job where you have right. to think. Like, I, I learned to do it over a lot of interactions throughout every single right. day of my life. Right. It's a lot harder in other other ways to retrain your language. Also, uh, uh, the a person that I know, very, very artsy, earthy, bizarro person. I think she's an art teacher, actually. She uses the word Gaia's because apparently Gaia is like I think it I think it means like goddess or something like that, but it's just like <laughs> instead of guys, it, it, guys, it really it really kind of flows out of your mouth every once in a while, like mm-hmm. guys. So she just kind of switches to Gaia's. And <laughs> like I love it. That's it's cool. weird and confusing, and I hate it. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I like it. Sorry, guys. <laughs> That's probably problematic in its own way, but uh, it can't, I haven't unpacked it yet. I don't trust it. it. <laughs> I don't trust it. Okay, so culturally, it's not uncommon for a girl child to be protected by her brothers, in particular older brothers, from perceived sexual or violent advances because patriarchy and also mm-hmm. like blurred line between sexual and violent advances Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a lot of times. Mm -hmm. Speaking of which, there are studies that show that a girl with brothers has all sorts of unique issues. There there was a study about 10 years ago by Australian behavioral ecologists Fritha Milne Mm. and Deborah Judge where they recruited nearly 200 women and 76 men all living in or around the city of Perth, Australia, and asked them questions about their family lives and sexual development. The results were that girls with only younger brothers lost their virginity an average of more than a year later, like, than the average, Hmm. um, than girls with younger sisters only. Because they grow up knowing exactly how disgusting boys are yeah. and they want nothing they just to want, do They it. just want an extra year away from... <laughs> yeah. There are theories. We'll get to it. Um, girls with both younger brothers and sisters lost lost it, had sex for the first time. Yeah, exactly, because virginity is um, fake. You're right. Uh, nearly two years later on average than girls with no younger siblings at all. And also having younger sisters by themselves had no impact on average age of first sexual experience. What about one older sister, no brothers? <laughs> we'll get to it. Good. 15. I want to know where I fall on the average. <laughs> the chastity effect, as it's called, only applied to girls with younger brothers. Having a big brother or sister did not make a girl any less likely to hold on to her virginity. I hate how this is phrased. Yeah, I, this is terribly written, but this I get what they're saying. This is a Psychology Today article. These Do are better. I fucking phoned it in because I did not have internet for a week. That's fair. <laughs> and still don't. I don't mean you do better. I mean psychology today do yeah. better. Not yeah. you. This was You're doing back great. in 2011, which seems like a fucking eternity ago. Yeah. 
So having a big brother or sister, so like an older sibling, did not make a girl any less likely to hold off on having sex for the first time. Mm -hmm. Yet another strange pattern emerged. This one involved the girl's physical maturity. Oh, great. Here we go. So the more older brothers a girl had, the later she got her first period. Girls with only elder brothers got their first visit from Aunt Flo. Again, fucking awful. Up to a year later than girls with older sisters or no older siblings. And this is meaningful given that breast cancer and other conditions are related to earlier menstruation. Okay. This is interesting and bizarre. I mean, I kind of get it with the siblings thing because, like, with the the siblings with ovaries because you do tend to cycle with people that you live in the same home with. So that kind of makes sense to me. So maybe that brings on menstruation a little earlier. And I think... I was 13 when I got my first period, so that's pretty average, I'd say. Uh, it but depends. Time, it changes. But by the time my, I got my first period, my older sister was already, I think, in college. Yeah, because we're five years apart. Okay, so well, there's more information here, so you can to continue to analyze. I'm just confused. So elder brothers delay physiological maturation while younger brothers delay behavioral maturation. Daughters are often caregivers. Historically, as has been found in traditional societies, a woman with daughters as first or second born children has a larger family than a mom whose first children were sons. Elder daughters take care of younger siblings, which frees up mom to keep fucking popping them out. Well, also because in a lot of patriarchal societies, you keep having kids until you get a boy. Yep. So that makes sense. Whereas if your first two are boys, you already so, you, you check, can be check. done, you know, an heir uh-huh. and a spare, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think, like, historically, though, the average size of a family was significantly larger than it oh, is yeah. now just because there are lots of, like, agricultural reasons. Yeah. Um, boys historically required more resources than girls, which made a big sister's contributions even more important. And as a result, these helpful elder daughters experience a delay in starting their own families. But that doesn't really address the sexuality thing. So mm-hmm. according to this article, this is unknown territory. So Milne and Judge, the two uh, mm-hmm. researchers, they tread lightly here what they assert about that aspect of it. The safest theory is that the delays are behavioral. Girls with little brothers lose their virginity later because they're too busy taking care of their siblings to have love lives of their own. Perhaps little brothers who are slower than female siblings to develop and reach puberty keep their elder sisters uh, in more of a childish mindset. Or perhaps the stress of caregiving slows down puberty. Fair. The researchers should also consider a much more surprising yet equally plausible theory, my favorite theory. Ooh, okay. That brothers send out chemical cues or pheromones in their sweat that inhibit their sister's sexual development. So as odd as it sounds, this would explain the perplexing finding that girls with older brothers get their first periods later than their peers. And it appears so do girls who grow up with their biological fathers in the household compared with their peers that do not have their biological father living with them. So men ruin everything. This the theory holds up. Oh, well, this I don't ne- know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily to menstruate later or have sex later. That kind of no, no. sounds great. Yeah, men ruin everything. <laughs> so okay, here's the best paragraph. 
the sweat stifles sexuality theory isn't as far-fetched as it sounds. Other mammals, rodents, no. for instance, no. use pheromones to modulate sexual maturity and fertility in the population. Not Over- well. Rats are so sexually active. Well, that's why they need But if they have too many, then they just eat like them. This. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Over the years, um, a girl would inhale chemical cues in fraternal sweat. So, like, all those dirty socks and armpit. Bleh, so I they hate that. These chemicals would hit the hypothalamus of her brain where sex hormones are produced and just slow down the they works. They stink so bad. Yeah. They stink so Your bad that it affects a girl's brain. That you're, like, mm-hmm. not interested. Also, yep. I wonder if it's to inhibit, like, incest. incest. Yes, yeah. that was my next sentence. Yep. So puberty then strikes a little bit later. Evolutionarily speaking, this allows the girl to stay in the family nest longer without conflict and reduces the risk of incest. Aha. Uh-huh. So there's Gross. a lot of, lot of things going on but here. But also it's, very interesting. I'm yeah. so glad I have one sister and I don't even have to think about this shit. Okay, mm-hmm. so there are several studies that show the benefits of having an older sister. Mm-hmm. Madeline. Are you listening? Regardless of the younger siblings' genders. So older sisters are more likely to play with younger siblings and develop a tighter bond. Not true. Boys with older sisters... (laughs) Boys with older sisters are less likely to be delinquent or have emotional and behavioral disorders. Some studies uh, also found a correlation between having an older sister and... um, having constructive discussions about safe sexual practices. Mm, Great. And some studies have shown that men without sisters are more likely to be ineffectual at courtship and romantic relationships. Well, yeah, because they other women women so much, and it's it's like a foreign entity, and they, like, don't know how to interact, whereas, like, you know, boys with sisters, it's like, whatever, they're also a human being. They also, like... Have bodily functions and have interests mm-hmm. and I've heard hobbies. That girl fart. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, interesting. Do we want to listen to the sister sister theme song again? We yes, sure we do. do. <laughs> Play that soundtrack. Great. Sister, sister, theme song, artist. Here we go. Here we go. Sister, sister. Oh, this is from an article from Seventeen Magazine, so we are Ooh. on the right track. Legit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, it was performed by Tia and Tamara Mowry. Oh my God, that makes sense. 
Shut the fuck up. They're like an, up. a sextuple threat. Oh my <laughs> Blossom <God>. hats. <laughs> Overalls. <laughs> Sisterhood. Oh, no, Twins. no, no. They sang it in the last two seasons. The first four seasons were done by... Well, now I'm upset. Doesn't, doesn't say. Great. It does not say. <laughs> Great. <laughs> odd. Very odd. Well... well Anyway, let's hear a word Millie from Millie Vanilli. <laughs> so, unfortunately, you might not have heard about the absolutely devastating weather event called Derecho that ripped across the Midwest on August 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, several states felt gusts up to 130 miles per hour, which is equivalent to a Category 3 hurricane. Yeah. Just a just a Midwest hurricane situation. <laughs> yeah, just what 2020 needs. 2020 is amazing. This year has everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, it's just, it's really devastating. Dozens of towns and cities were destroyed with mm-hmm. Cedar Rapids, like that metro area in eastern Iowa's Lynn County, seeing the most severe and widespread damage. Yep. Tens of thousands of Iowans are still without power. Over mm-hmm. a week later, as we record this, um, Lucy ha- has been without power for over a week. Mm-hmm. And utility companies are anticipating several more weeks before the majority of service is restored to folks. Mm-hmm. Block after block, homes are destroyed, roofs are torn off, Power lines are laying in the street, which is its own yeah, set of dangers. Yeah, safety hazards, big yeah. time. Um, down trees are everywhere. Um, there have been some deaths from from folks trying to mm-hmm. take care of their own, you know, down trees and, and power yeah. lines because they have to wait so long for, you know, service providers. Any help. yeah. Um, so just the complete and sudden loss of infrastructure has left a huge number of people without access to cell service, Shelter, fresh food, clean water, air conditioning, and it does get hot in Iowa in August, Um, okay? Yeah, it's extraordinarily, extraordinarily hot and humid. Corn sweat is a real thing. Yeah. Lucy's wedding was in June in Iowa in August, and it was like 105 degrees. Yep, my mother almost died. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And your mother hung out in the bathroom most of the night because there was air conditioning. It does get hot, so air conditioning is... Key. I mean, refrigeration is key for, yep. for medical just supplies. Your food and me- and food. Yeah, your medicine. Um, just basic hygiene, uh, which is so important during a pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, internet, gas, money, care for children, care for the elderly, you name it. And also mm-hmm. emergency services are just overwhelmed. So like we said, food is rotting in warm refrigerators. Uh, medicines are... Uh, Expiring. Exactly. Yeah. Raccoons are invading. Oh, God. Uh, People really are suffering and, yeah, still in the midst of a pandemic on top of all of this. So it's literally apocalyptic and there has been very little national media attention because our leaders waited too long and did too little and Mm -hmm. uh, decided to rely too heavily on private industry when this is an emergency and requires the government for help. That's so ridiculous. So if you have the means to help, there are several organizations in the area collecting donations to provide life-saving support to affected residents, including, but certainly not limited to, the following. United Way of East Central Iowa, Horizons Food Bank, the Wellington Heights Resource Center, 
the Eastern Iowa Diaper Bank, the Greater Cedar Rapids Community Foundation, Mm-hmm. And you can also find an up-to-date list of relief organizations on the Gazette's homepage, thegazette.com. So please go check that out. If you have anything you can, any means at all to, to help, please do. Um, it's a really serious issue, and it's not getting uh, the attention that it, it really deserves right now. Yep. So give if you can, people. Mm-hmm. Are we ready for my case? Yeah. Literally never. Let's go. Pretty gruesome, but there are some bright spots. Okay, so brothers Joseph and Henry Moidy had a similar taste in women. Spunky, full of life, good time gals. <laughs> Who doesn't love a good time gal? <laughs> Sound familiar? <laughs> Hello. Guilty. An overbearing gal with an aggressively <laughs> Minnesotan accent. Pretty funny for a broad. <laughs> for, for two chicks. Kenyon <laughs> and I have just fused into <laughs> one. To one yep. chick. Yep. Oh, yeah. my God. First gosh. of all, there one are good time gal. three of us. We introduce <laughs> ourselves at the top of every episode. <laughs> Also, if you like this show and listen, please go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because all the haters take the time to do it. Yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All the Allens and the Karens. (laughs) All right. So it was uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. In the 1920s, after all. And the Moody brothers' wives, Teresa and Leonidi, uh, embodied the flapper girl personality, albeit with more limited financial means and bigger bosoms. <laughs> <laughs> and huge tits. <laughs> and huge knockers. <laughs> 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 huge tracks of land. Tits like two battleships. <laughs> <laughs> so both couples met and married in New Iberia, Louisiana, before mm. moving together to Nolens. 33-year-old Joseph and 25-year-old Henry worked odd jobs, quote, described by sources as shiftless and perpetually short on funds. I mean, <laughs> hi. The Amanda Jacobson story. Yeah. Shiftless. <laughs> shiftless soldier of fortune. <laughs> So, (laughs) Henry had worked as a butcher in the past, but it doesn't sound like he was really able to hold down steady work. And at this time, uh, he was described as a sign painter. So, just kind of like doing odd jobs, getting money where they could, not making much. Figure it out. Shiftless. Shiftless. Teresa and Leonidi, therefore, also had to work to provide for their families, and they took on sewing jobs in addition to looking after all the kids, so they have to work two shifts for their shiftless husbands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and to save money, both married couples lived together, uh, so along with Teresa and Henry's three young children and Leonidi and Joseph's son and daughter. So we've got two married couples and five kids living in the same apartment. Sounds like hell. I need three bedrooms and two bathrooms to have one other person in mm-hmm. my apartment with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Without mm-hmm. fucking murdering him. Mm-hmm. Love you, baby. Um, so this Can't, is- but moreover, won't. Won't. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is a small apartment on Ursuline's Avenue in the French Quarter. And the building is still there, I think. 
So things are really tight, but fortunately, the two sisters-in-law were best friends, and they were absolutely inseparable. So they got along super well. So my case is actually sisters-in-law, but whatever. It's brothers, brothers. Brothers, brothers, crimes. Yeah. The two women even brothers, brothers, wives, crimes. Although I don't believe I don't believe Teresa and Leonidi were actually related, but there's a photo of them on the drive, and they look like twins. Do well, you, if you hang out? Oh, my God. Yeah? Do you see? Yep, I see it. It's the austere visage and the crazy the hair. hair. Lots mm. of, like, curly, thick, long black hair. And they both have a similar jawline, yeah. like a very intense jaw. And also, the child in between them is miserable. <laughs> well... That I, is oh, a no. I don't think things are going well at home, and we will get to it. So oh. after Joseph walked in on Leonidi, embrace, quote, embracing another man, those two separated. But to be precise, the cheating Leonidi actually kicked him out. Go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm over. I'm done with you now. Get the mm-hmm. fuck out. And then she continued to live with Teresa, Henry, and the kids. So one okay. messy as so fuck. One brother's out. And then the remaining ones, they basically formed their own, like, reconstituted nuclear family without Joseph. Sure. Although, quote, Henry fretted over Leonidi's influence over his wife, Teresa. So he's like, ah. you know, now the women are ganging up on him in his Yeah, mind. I mean, if Leonidi is, As we are wont to is staunch enough mm-hmm. to cheat and then also kick out her husband, mm-hmm. what could she get Teresa to do? Well, we will get to it. So, by all accounts, Teresa and Henry's marriage wasn't much better than the other pairs to begin with. Brothers will be brothers. Mm-hmm. Quote, the two bored wives started kicking up their heels, bringing men home when Henry was away. Okay, I l- <laughs> kind of love it. Kick up your heels, girls. It was they the 20s. Fun. Your life they is sound garbage. Super fun. Mm-hmm. Also, um, it's possible that they were selling sex in order to like feed their kids because their drunken husbands couldn't. Mm-hmm. But. Whatever. They were also shameless ladies. Do your thing. Definitely having like love affairs, but then also possibly selling sex. Henry would later admit that he, quote, knew his wife openly cavorted with other men. Love it. In particular, (laughs) around the time of this case, October 1927, Teresa was seen by neighbors on the back steps of their apartment building passing notes and, quote, hugging a local man named Joseph Caruso. Hugging his penis Everybody's with their mouths. Hugging. Uh, I love lick it. my wand. Oh, God. <laughs> Others spotted the two lovers walking in public hand in hand and even engaging in quote friendly excursions on streetcars. So not hiding it at all. <laughs> nope. I Not love even trying. It was like they they were seen holding hands and even riding a streetcar. Riding on oh. streetcars. That's hot. Scandalous. But ashamed and embarrassed, Henry refused to discuss his wife's obvious romantic indiscretions, even though it was like common knowledge. Taco In the, the streetcar. Mm-hmm. The streetcar. God. Just friendly encounters on streetcars. I mean, the brain. <laughs> I watched that porn. The gall. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Teresa and Leonidi also enjoyed going out on the town together without their husbands. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more fun when you leave the men at home. It's Ladies the best way to go out home. on the town, right? Mm-hmm. The only way. And on the day in question, which was um, uh, between October 26th and October 27th, 1927, Teresa told Henry that she and Leonidi planned to go out that evening and that he had to look after the kids. Yep. <laughs> it's not babysitting when they're your own children. You're just yours. a parent. It's just parenting. But obviously being told and not asked to take care of his own fucking children was a step too far for Henry. He's okay with mm-hmm. his wife cheating on him rampantly, but he will not How take care of his own children. How dare you tell me to raise my child? <laughs> and so, what a dick. <laughs> and so he decided to pawn the kids off on the housekeeper while he went off to get drunk. So, <laughs> yep. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, so, for real. <laughs> despite the moiety's modest means, they were still able to employ a part-time housekeeper, a neighbor lady named Nettie Compass, and this was actually super common for the time. So Henry goes bar hopping, and throughout the evening, as he gets progressively drunker and drunker, he also is, like, stewing with rage. Yep, he's pissed at his mm-hmm. wife. And then it's assumed that he overhears the rumor that is floating around the neighborhood that his wife, Teresa, is supposedly planning to run off with Joseph Caruso that night. And so on his way home, Henry stops to buy a sugar cane knife. (gasps) What is that? Like those, like Like a a machete, machete. basically. There's a photo on the drive. Like a scythe? Kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Not good. Then... To his surprise, when he gets home, the sisters-in-law are actually there. So either they went on the, out on the town and they came home really early, or they didn't go out after all. And so he's seemingly assuaged. And everybody's hungry, so they all go out as a family to eat hot tamales. Hot dogs. But whether it was the spicy cokes or the hot tamales, <laughs> either way, after the women and the children go to sleep that night, Henry's rage begins to boil over all over again. Uh Uh-oh. The following day, housekeeper Nettie Compass comes by the flat to clean and is greeted by, quote, a scene of bloody disarray. Ooh. My favorite kind of disarray. (laughs) (laughs) Blood spilled out from two large trunks, one in the living room and one in the back bedroom. Terrified and frantic, Nettie went for help and happened upon two insurance salesmen who accompanied her back into the apartment and then bore witness to the rest of the gruesome discoveries. Why in the 20s was there, like, always conveniently an insurance salesman Mm -hmm. nearby? Mm -hmm. A dictionary salesman. Yes, there was just a fleet (laughs) of door-to-door sales. Do you guys watch Selling Sunset? Yes. Have you seen the latest season, all of it? No, I'm savoring it. Okay. I also don't have internet, so I haven't watched it lately. Well, there's lately. a. I'm not giving anything away, but there's an episode where Chriselle is talking about how she used to be a door-to-door knife salesperson. Oh yeah, I <laughs> almost worked for Cutco Knives before discovering yeah. it's definitely an MLM. Yeah. But I was like 16 and you did sold not know them, what I was or doing. You bought them? No, I went to an interview to to sell them. Yeah. Thinking I was because they. They made the the want ad look so much like 
a normal interview yeah. process, like a group interview. And then it starts as a group interview, at least this is how it was in like 2005, mm-hmm. 2006. And then afterward, they like choose the most promising ones mm-hmm. from the group interview. And then you do a one-on-one interview. And by the end of the one-on-one interview where they're like singing your praises and thinking, saying how much potential you have, they're trying to get you to buy the knife set because yeah. you have to buy your a own sample. to take out door-to-door and sample it. And I was like, <laughs> I, uh, I don't have money. I came here to make money. I don't have $250 to drop on a fucking knife set just so I can work for you. Yeah. And they're like, before you go, are you interested in a timeshare? No. <laughs> How I about some leggings? And it was like a <laughs> seminar. This interview took like three and a half hours. It was uh, like half a fucking day. I was so mad. Yep. Well, Chrishell used to sell knives door to door, which is not something you want to buy door to door. No. Not really. <laughs> Someone knocks on your door, they're just holding two fistfuls it's of knives. It's just Edward Scissorhands, like, <laughs> confused. Okay, so Nettie gets help. They go back into the apartment. Quote, this is a quote from one of the insurance salesmen years later in his One of the memoir. Cutco guys. Quote, we found red stains on the floor and saw a large trunk in a bedroom partially open. When I pulled up the trunk lid, a woman's body, arms and legs severed from the torso was exposed. No. So was it just the torso or was it all of it just cut apart? Cut up and crammed into this trunk. Oh. And the same scene was repeated in a second trunk in the bedroom. So one, one woman per trunk. Oh, it takes no. a lot of time to cut up a body. I feel like yeah, yeah. you got to be motivated like to cut a chicken. To cut a chicken. This was an all night. People endeavor. can definitely hear me in other offices. <laughs> <laughs> it Paging Doctor a lot of time to cut up to a cut body. up a body. <laughs> Selling knives door to door. Back to the gruesome description. Clumps of hair <laughs> were scattered on the floor. Along with children's clothing, quote, unfinished (gasps) sewing projects, the women's lace garments, silk stockings, and beauty cream. So basically, I think he took everything out of this trunk. Oh, a thousand percent. Threw it on the ground. Yeah. Yup. Yup. Classic man. And also, there's a theory that the trunks were packed because the women were planning to leave. To leave. So it's possible. Uh, the trio then phoned the coroner, and several reporters also caught wind of the situation and showed up on the scene because what was a crime scene in 1927? Right. Trapes through. Yeah. Get your picks mm-hmm. for the Daily Herald. Mm-hmm. Yeah. May as well have your press conference while you're collecting evidence. Yep. It was a female reporter who discovered four, quote, lady fingers lying on the bed. The dessert? <laughs> I was going to say, there are those I know. Bre- cake breads. I- I'm wondering, I didn't have time to look this up, but I'm wondering if the dessert was named after this no. case was reported. I no. don't know, because I think Ladyfingers were around before the 1927. But I'm Googling it. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, these were literal Ladyfingers, not the I dessert. I hate that. Lying on the and bed. And also, I want... Lady fingers. I'm. Um, these belong to Teresa, although her wedding ring was, quote, later retrieved from a gaping wound in her back. Nope. So no. he literally, like, took off her ring and probably, like, threw it in the trunk. 
<sighs> would be my guess. Also, lady fingers date back to the late 15th century, so Never mind. not where this came from. So the murder weapon, the sugarcane knife, was abandoned uh, on Teresa's torso in one of the trunks. Quote, in a turn worthy of pulp fiction, a manuscript written in Leonidi's hand was discovered hidden in the cabinet of her bedroom. Rife with grammatical errors, its thinly veiled autobiographical story cautioned young girls to, quote, be careful for marriage is a life sentence. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I really want to get my like permit to marry people, and I would definitely sprinkle little comments get like ordained. that. Get ordained. <laughs> the, the other day, sentence. Bill and I, as I was preparing to pay my taxes for this year, I was like, we just need to get married because I'd save so much money on my taxes and then I could finally get you that vasectomy that I want you to get. And he's just sitting there like, eyes agape. And I'm like, what? A tax marriage and having your dick snipped is not enough motivation to get on one knee and propose to me? That's not romance enough for you. I'm a realist, so kill me. That is a modern relationship. That's a 2020 <laughs> relationship, I basically if I've proposed, ever heard one. And he basically said, uh. <laughs> And uh, so when's the wedding? Yeah. He didn't say no. He didn't say no. That's true. Should I just start planning it and be like, it's I'm gonna on take, this date. I'm going to take your stunned silence as a yes. Consent as a, as is a key. Yes. We have to, consent is key. Okay, so back to this quote. So Leonidi had written this like fucking manuscript all about her life and how marriage sucks. <laughs> Quote, the rejection slip from her submission to a popular confessions magazine lay in a pool of her own blood. Oh, my. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Also, when people are like, why do you think true crime is so popular now? It has always been popular. Yeah. Look at this from a newspaper. This e is yeah. vivid. Storytelling. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm so fucking into it. <laughs> so the double murders caused a sensation in the press, obviously, uh, with Henry's past as a butcher frequently recalled. No. The, <laughs> <laughs> the Times Picayune, is that how you say that? The, the t I, Picayune, you know, whatever. The newspaper. I never know. Old timey newspaper. Picayune. Quote, gleefully pointed out that the manner in which the two bodies of the women were mutilated and dismembered indicated a man familiar with his trade. Well, yeah, and he did it really quickly. Really out. quickly. Initially, Henry Moiti tried to make a run for it. Basically, then, like, an all-points bulletin, like an APB, went out alerting <laughs> steamerships. <laughs> To look this out. This is in. Butcher on the run. <laughs> <laughs> Ladyfinger. <laughs> Ladyfinger's found on the bed. Two women found in trunks. Oh, God. A rejection letter in a pool of her own blood. <laughs> her rejection slip. <laughs> oh, right, the slip. <laughs> um, so this, the APB alerted steamerships to look out for a, quote, tattooed and singularly hairy stowaway. <laughs> 
So they thought he was going to try to get on a ship and like, get off the land? Yeah. Then he was tattooed and singularly hairy. Also, like, maybe he was hairy, but there's a photo on the drive, and Henry was actually pretty hot. Oh, Sad no. to say, this horrible double murderer, drunkard, terrible husband and father was pretty cute. Oh, yeah. He looks he like handsome. Ken. He, he looks like, he a, looks Ken like a Ken doll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway. But a horrible monster. Horrible. So uh, a massive manhunt through local swamps, though, soon discovered the suspect hiding out in Bayou Lafourche. I don't know how to say anything in New Orleans. At first, he said a, quote, redheaded Norwegian seafarer had committed the murders. (laughs) That's really specific. (laughs) For a bullface lie. (laughs) But less than a week later, he finally confessed everything to police, saying, quote, Joe Caruso took my wife. She was beautiful and I loved her. And, quote, if I ever get my hands on that Joe Caruso, I'll chop him up into little pieces. Not big pieces like my wife, but little pieces. I'll make him look like something that's been through a sausage mill. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, you're probably never going to get a prison at <laughs> this point. Sir. So we'll get to it. Oh, oh good. Jesus. The sensational quote led to r- local rumors for years of a quote sausage ghost <laughs> haunting the apartment at 715 Ursuline's Avenue. No. Sausage ghost. <laughs> Can Is you that imagine what? being like your legacy for this brutal murder is to be referred to as a sausage ghost yeah. for all of eternity? Like yeah. that's the ultimate fuck you uh-huh. to this guy. Uh-huh. Wait, that was the la- that's what they were calling the lady? No. Things got kind of like mixed up in the rumor mill basically in the sausage mill and <laughs> <laughs> he was a butcher. And yeah, basically it he like went the through the game of telephone comments. and eventually people said that he had murdered the wife's lover which he didn't and then it just kind of grew from there. Just a generic sausage ghost. I'm into it. Yeah. If it's a ghost that's just going to make and deliver sausages yeah. to you yeah. at all hours of the day I don't and night, need accurate the details. Uber of sausage ghosts. I will <gasps> sign that lease. <laughs> what if hungry ghosts and sausage ghosts <gasps> got married? They're sisters. Sisters. Sister. Okay. <gasps> so, sausage sisters. <laughs> oh, that was actually, sausage sisters ish. That was a topic of an episode. Do you remember? Yeah. Sausage Sisters? Somebody it's wanted like it to be called Sausage Sisters, and we changed have... it to, like, but not Butterfly Kisses. What's it called? Don't say it. Oh, I know what you're thinking of. It is there's not There's an outdated term, but then there was another term that, whatever. Okay, I don't right. know. Right. It's when two women have sexual intercourse with the same man, not necessarily at the same time. Mm-hmm. Then they're Sausage Sisters. Right. Sausage Sisters. Yeah. It all circles gonna... back. It all that none of us. This is a serialized podcast, actually. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Henry was charged with each murder separately, but after being convicted of the first, I think of his wife's murder, then he pled guilty to Leonidas' murder um, in order to avoid the death penalty and like in the expense of a trial when he very clearly killed both of them. Yeah. Instead, in March 1928, he was given two life sentences. So he's packed off to prison. There he's considered a model prisoner, except for the time that he escaped. (laughs) 
in 1944. And was found selling Cutco knives door to door. (laughs) Um, He was on the run for 20 months. But that he was, a, he was a singularly hairy knife salesman, <laughs> <laughs> model prisoner. But that little escapade seems to have been quickly forgiven because, unbelievably, Henry, with two life sentences and a jailbreak on his record, was granted clemency one year later and released from prison. Oh, How? What the f- yeah. The twenties were wild. Well, now this is the forties, but yeah. Oh. So the perpetrator of the grisly trunk murders then moved west to California and tried to move on with his life. End of story? Not quite. He opened a chain of restaurants called Sausage Sausage Ghosts. King. (laughs) (laughs) Their specialty dessert was ladyfingers. Ladyfingers. No. Let's Although I move did to New find Orleans a recipe and open a restaurant that just sells sausage and ladyfingers. I did find a lemon ladyfinger dessert recipe that I really want to make tonight. So I have to go to the store. <laughs> I will just watch Meaning more I have to send Bill to the store. And not bake anything. Okay. I'm just going to finish this bottle of wine and call it a day. In January 1956, so uh like 10 years after he was released from prison, a woman named Alberta Orange was staying in a Los Angeles hotel and she called down to the front desk and exclaimed, I've been shot. She's the orange ghost. (laughs) Alberta was uh, Henry's second wife and after having the audacity to ask her husband for some money to buy clothes, (laughs) the wife murderer shot her in the chest. Holy shit. Jesus. Alberta miraculously survived, and Henry was once again packed off to the big house. He was, again, a model prisoner uh, and even learned to paint while serving time in Folsom Prison. His portrait of notorious Louisiana Governor Huey Long hung in the governor's mansion for many years afterwards. What? This is so bizarre. ass backwards. Mm -hmm. This is not... Henry finally died in prison of a stroke a short while later after his second. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So that's my case. Fucking twists and turns. Brother, brother. Brother. This this guy sucks. Uh, Okay. Well, thanks for that horrifying tableau. I'm so hungry. <laughs> and now shall we hear a word from our sponsors? Ladyfingerdesserts.com. Let's do it. Sarah Lee. <laughs> Sarah Lee. Nobody does it like Sarah Lee. True. Did you know that it's a presidential election year? What? Did you know? <laughs> Sadly. Did you know that as of the moment we're recording this, we have 76 days, 9 hours, 11 minutes, and 40 seconds until the next election? Yep. And as you hear well, this, you even d- less. Yeah. So we want to make sure that you are ready mm-hmm. to vote. If you have not voted already, there are certain steps that we would just highly encourage you to do. And you can start that process by heading to vote.org. That's V-O-T-E dot org. And when you're there, you can check your registration status. Mm-hmm. If you are not yet registered and your state allows, you can register to vote. Or find out how to register to vote. Get all the details on your deadlines. Um, You can request your ballot to vote by mail if you have not hit your deadline yet in your area. 
You can get election reminders. They will mm-hmm. remind you when and what you need to vote so that you never miss an election again. You can make a pledge to register. You can find your polling place location. Mm-hmm. Mine changed this year, so I was so grateful to just have the simplicity of sticking my address in vote.org, and they told me exactly where to go for my primary and exactly where to go for the general. Yeah. And you can also get information on participating in the 2020 census, which honestly is just as important I just for being that represented. Out. I just yeah. filled out the census after going to vote.org, the website. Yep. And if you don't think the census really matters... It takes two minutes to fill it out. And then guess what? If you don't care about being represented, maybe you will care about not having your door knocked on incessantly by Census Bureau Mm -hmm. folks folks coming around trying to get your info. Just fill it out ahead of time. And then they don't show up at your door. Because unless you're ordering pizza, you don't want to answer that doorbell anyway. Mm -hmm. So please, 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 for the love of all that is holy, Mm -hmm. commit to voting. Commit to voting on the local, the smallest, most seemingly insignificant level and commit to voting in the general election and head to vote.org to figure out your registration status and what you need to be ready to vote Mm -hmm. come November. And also, if you um, are formerly incarcerated, a lot of states have recently changed their laws. And so Mm -hmm. if you haven't been able to vote in the past because you're formerly incarcerated, you might be able to vote now legally. Yes. um, You know, just... Just go to vote.org. You'll get all that information. Super easy, super easy to use. Quick links to all the information that you need. Polling mm-hmm. places, a lot have changed or moved yes. or shut down yep. because of the pandemic. So just because you've always voted in the same spot in the past doesn't mean that that is necessarily where you're going to vote if you Correct. vote in person. In- or where you might be dropping off a an absentee ballot if you didn't get a chance to mail it in. That's often not at the same place as your polling location either. So these are details that we need to know before yeah. we go to vote. Yeah. So Just do treat it. your democracy, y'all. Mm-hmm. So with the intention of a sweeter Tia and Tamara, sister, sister vibe, please prepare for a jarring change in tone <laughs> as we move on to discuss the most prolific murder partnership in modern history. Oh, my God. Yep. So as we know, statistically, women just don't kill people all that often. And even rarer is- Or don't get caught. Right, because we're better at covering it up. Uh, And even rarer is a family member situation like participating in murder together. Rarer still- is female family members. So maybe the fact that this happens so rarely is a good thing for all of us because the Gonzalez sisters, Delfina and Maria de Jesus, when they decided to kill, they left nearly 100 people dead, earning them the horrific title of, quote, most prolific murder duo in the known history of the world. Oh, my God. Whoa. Cool. I I had goosebumps. I had not heard of these gals, and they actually popped up in um, the Family Tree episode that we did. Where yeah, I thought this sounded a little familiar. I found, th- like, like they, they came up in the research, and mm-hmm. then uh, we set this aside. Okay. To anticipate this episode. So, okay. Delfina and Maria de Jesus were raised alongside two half-sisters, Maria Luisa and Carmen Gonzalez Valenzuela. 
The four girls were desperately poor and horribly abused. Their father, Isidro Torres, was a brutal man feared not only by his daughters, but by the town of El Salto de Juanacatlan in Jalisco. Isidro was a member of the rural police who, shocker, abused the hell out of his authority um, as a policeman. It doesn't sound like every member of that police force did, but there's no such this thing as a did. bad apple. So he, you know, the whole barrel is rotten. Mm -hmm. So, for example, when his daughters would anger him for such sins as trying to wear makeup. Oh, God. He would imp I know. Such a sin. You know what? He Fuck would imprison this. I am putting them. Putting on more lipstick just to say. Do Fuck it. You to this guy. Reapply. I am caked in sin right now. Oh yeah, <laughs> I have a sin layer an inch thick on my face right <laughs> Highlighting now. Highlighting sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I forgot my bronzer sin, but it's fine. Yeah, I didn't. So he would I imprison my bag them. Of sin. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes for long stretches in the town jail cells. So he didn't like ground them at home. Like he, he would put them, them jail? in jail. Yep. What a dick. He's well, such like a those prick. dads that like like shave their daughters' heads when they like go yeah. on a date. Dye their hair or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so during fucked. an argument with another man, Isidro shot the man dead in the middle of town. Having made many enemies from his abusive practices, Isidro fled with his wife and children to San Francisco del Ricon, referred to as San Pancho by the locals. So as the sisters Delfina and Maria grew up, they became terrified of the poverty that they had lived in. And uh, this poverty had led to such miserable lives for them and for their mother, and their father was so fucking awful. So they squirreled away as much money as they could and opened a saloon in San Pancho, um, which, though meager, did support them. The sisters quickly ventured into sex work and very quickly learned how easy it was to use sex or small amounts of cash to bribe local officials. So I mean, seeing an yeah, opportunity... They, they're realists. They're like oh, yeah. Amanda. Yep. Pretty much. <laughs> Getting out of those blockbuster Save money on taxes. Back when that was a thing. Snip, snip. Open a snip, saloon. Snip. Get my tax marriage. Get my vasectomy. Get a saloon. I don't know why you're dragging your feet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a win, 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 sir. <laughs> so seeing an opportunity, the sisters used their skills for manipulation and bribery to open up a series of underground brothels in several cities near Mexico City. They ran the bars in the cities with their sister Carmen and handed over the running of the brothel near the Mexican border to their sister Maria Luisa, known locally as the leggy one. <laughs> Lucy. So she was the pretty one. I'm the leggy one. You are the, the leggy, leggy one, one in our group. Yeah. Kenny's the booby one. Amanda's the blue head. I'm the clowny one. And Lucy's the leggy one. <laughs> Amanda's I'm the, the snaggly one. one. The mouthy one. The blue hair little hoe. Mouths, tits, legs. <laughs> we have Feet. all the necessary parts of a woman. <laughs> um, so at this point, you might Collectively, be Collectively, we make one, one woman. One usable woman. Oh, useful um, woman. One functioning woman. So at this point, you might be thinking like, okay... Bad bitches, go get it. There's nothing wrong with some sex work to claw yourself out of poverty. Like, yep. this is survival. Absolutely. Sex work is real work. Fancy, this is your chance. Take it. Mm -hmm. However, it is at this time that the sisters started to get real greedy. So this is not anymore 
a survival about thing. About survival, it is an enterprise. Got it. And the supply of young women was not keeping up with the demand from their growing swarm of patrons. So Delphina and Maria started recruiting, quote unquote. Sex really? trafficking. Yep. Really fucking aggressively. The sisters started going on extended hunting trips, driving far into the ranch lands surrounding their brothels, scouting farms, small towns, and ranches for beautiful girls like a couple of fucking fairy tale witches, which you can see them on the drive. They do look like fairy tale witches. And it really makes you wonder if not all of the legends of like witches and evil hags are just cruel sexist stereotypes, but that some are probably actually based on real events, which I they certainly are. Let's not demean witches. These are just no. two <laughs> These are just two evil ladies. Two evil women. Yeah. They do look like classic folklore. That's what I'm saying. Witches. They look like the patriarchal, like grisly fairy tale witch. Yep. Is why I even mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. They have, um, like, well, I guess they don't really have hooked noses, but basically everything. That's all they're missing. But, yeah. They've had hard lives, but then they turned mm. to crime. It just it just reminds me of, so obviously most people at, by this point have finished the HBO documentary series All Be Gone in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And I'm not giving anything away, but there's a, an amazing I- clip of an interview at the end with Patton Oswalt that made me just, like, ugly cry Mm -hmm. for 10 hours where he's talking about how like seeing all of these survivors in a room together that were you know defiled by the golden state killer had every reason to take that experience and go out and and like perpetuate more of that pain Mm -hmm. and that hate and the ultimate fuck you to this guy was to not do that Mm -hmm. and it's like that's really fucking powerful and obviously these women as girls were raised in extreme poverty and abuse and horrific conditions, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that that gives you a pass to do now what they do. Oh, it's definitely really not. And actually, up. I mean, women sex traffickers are very, very common. Like sometimes mm-hmm. they're called like madams, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's very common. Mm-hmm. So well, it's like that Epstein. Ugh. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say her first name. Ghislaine. 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 Nah, I'm never going to pronounce that properly as a sign of disrespect to that horrible woman. The Lady Epstein. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Epstein. Macbeth Epstein. So when the sisters would find a suitably pretty girl, they would approach her using, you know, women's natural trust of other mm-hmm. women, plus their natural abilities as manipulators to play on the rural girls. A desire to like make it in the big city, get out of where they live, get out of poverty. They're, you know, get, they're dangling all these opportunities yep. in front of them. Sometimes they were quote unquote rescuing these women from poverty or abusive families. Sometimes they were simply luring wide eyed young women with promises and hope. They would convince these girls that they would be taking jobs as maids or waitresses. So they really thought they were just going to the city to get employment and like start a new life some of these young women refused the sisters and they would return for them later kidnapping them in the night great or in broad daylight with the help of an army captain uh whose name was hermin okay hermengildo zuniga herman yep (laughs) who was one of (laughs) delphina's lovers and a henchman on their payroll great so they would just lure or kidnap 
Uh, yep. Oh, and they had children. army generals. They had police. They mm-hmm. had government officials. They like are this was a big. syndicate. Mm-hmm. They're absolutely a yeah, syndicate. They're human traffickers. Yeah. Ugh. So once these girls were in their grasp, they entered a world of absolute horror. And this is I'm not even going into detail mm-hmm. on it, on the things how brutalized these girls were, but I'm still going to say fucking trigger warning cuz this gets real violent. So they would determine the virginity of the girls Great. and save those like the the the, mm-hmm. the more chaste young girls for sale to special clients. Liam Neeson's daughter and taken. Yep. While the others would be raped by the sisters' henchmen, beaten, terrorized, and showered with ice water and a sadistic hazing ritual that robbed most of the women of any will to escape, any will to fight back. It just broke them down mm-hmm. completely. Like st- It basically strips you of all of your identity, all of your hope, and now you're just mm-hmm. an amorphous blob that they mm-hmm. can control. Mm-hmm. So tortures such as such as standing for long periods of time holding heavy bricks were deployed to further break the women. And it should be also be noted how young most of them were. I mean, I know we keep bringing back to this, but some of these gals were like th- between like 11 years old and 16 years old. Yeah. They're very young. They're children. Yeah. Yes. Period. So further measures were sometimes taken, forcing the girls to use cocaine and heroin until they were addicted so that the Gonzalez sisters would have yet another invisible leash around their victims. This is amazing. I mean, based, this is just, this is, uh, this still goes on today in the exact 100%. same way. Yep. Mm-hmm. All this over is, the world. Yep, this was in the like the '60s, and this is still this rings very, very true mm-hmm. worldwide right now. They were like just tapping said. into an industry that already existed and mm-hmm. still exists now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, they're not uniquely no horrific people. No. So the girls were now the Gonzalez sister slaves, constantly watched over by their muscles, Zuniga, that army captain guy. Um, who had the nickname the Black Eagle, and Ramon uh, El Tepo Torres, who was actually Delfino's Delfina's own son. So Ramon is Delfina's son. He's one of the henchmen mm-hmm. as well as this army guy. Um, and then their half-sister, who is also part of this, kind of like running the saloons, etc., Carmen, that we mentioned earlier, she died in her 50s of cancer. So around this time mm-hmm. that the whole trafficking ring is like really solid mm-hmm. and the sisters are still running all of these like underground brothels and this their original saloon, Carmen dies. Mm-hmm. It's not long before the sisters were quite wealthy and feared in the community. Their clients included members of the army, councilmen, and police, and it seemed they were untouchable because mm-hmm. they were being protected by all of these people who didn't yeah, want to be caught. Yeah, because they're paying bribes and they're... Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And now they have the ultimate blackmail because mm-hmm. a huge subset of their johns are fucking higher-ups in the community mm-hmm. and po- people in positions of power, so of course they're going to work mm-hmm. with you to keep it quiet. Mm-hmm. So when one of the young women would become pregnant... The sisters developed a system of forced, like, at-home abortions and quite literally dumped these fetuses in the backyard, like, in a shallow grave of, like, this big ranch that they were keeping all these girls on. Just horrific. It's fucking sick. And that's, you know, a lot of those girls getting these procedures probably also don't survive. And so they end up Mm -hmm. in those graves as well. Mm So the Gonzalez sisters' ranch stronghold quickly began to resemble a concentration camp with malnourished, gaunt women imprisoned within. 
if the malnourishment or rampant STIs or unsafe at-home abortions led to a girl being too sick to work or rendered her too ugly to clients of the brothels, the sisters had an answer for that, too. So the girls would be locked into a room and simply starved to death um, or in even more horrific cases to continue to terrorize and brainwash the young women would make the other girls mm -hmm. um, beat the the young women to death with sticks and heavy logs well, so that they're making them culpable too. And like, that's another layer of, that's also of a common tactic and a very yeah. common tactic when it comes to human trafficking for, um, in conflict, like child soldiers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just fucked up because then even if those folks wanted to try to get out of it, now it's like, they well, think look what you've done. You, you're going to be arrested and, you know, right and sentenced to life in prison or whatever. So it's just another way to control. manipulate them into control. I know that happens obviously very frequently in reality, but isn't there a scene in uh, Handmaid's Tale where they kind of do the same thing? Don't all the girls have to... They beat a man in the Handmaid's Tale, um, and it's used as like a social... Uh, release valve so it's it's used it's still manipulation oh. of the handmaids but it's it's not in the same arena as this it's not beating another woman it's beating a man who has transgressed against certain rules and and has been it's like a purge yeah exactly mm -hmm. and it wasn't beating him to death either it was, was it? it was yeah oh okay well either way mm -hmm. that is Sli fiction and this is not slightly different but yeah similar similar dynamic mm-hmm so the bodies were then piled and burned in mass graves, and the sisters did not discriminate when it came to violence. If they became aware that a John had come with a large amount of cash, they would sometimes just murder him, steal the cash, dump the body among the ever-growing graves. And these crimes were super hard to connect to the Gonzaleses because few Johns let anyone know that they were heading off to a brothel. Yeah. So their whereabouts were rarely known. It's like the mid-60s. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't have the internet. People just go missing. Everyone's yeah. colluding to keep it a secret. Exactly. We well, don't have cell phones. You can't be like, I'll text you when I get there. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'd like to tell you that this reign of terror came, came to an end because of some, like, action by a kind, caring society that brought light to the suffering of these women. But this is not the case. But alas, it's 2020. Yeah. I, mean. <laughs> I mean, 1962. <laughs> so in 1962, Ramon El Tepo Torres, so Delfina's son and henchman, got into an argument with police inside one of the brothels and was shot down in a hail of gunfire and killed. Mm. The police then closed down that particular brothel, probably hoping that the matter would be closed, but it was not. Because mm. Delfina now flew into a rage of, like, vengeance for the murder of her son mm -hmm. and ordered the army captain who frequented their brothels to hunt down the police who killed her son and kill them on sight, which he did. Oh, Jesus okay. So now it's like a war in the streets, basically. Yeah. Well, they're all, yeah. Damn. So a year later, Catalina Ortega, a young woman who had been tricked, pimped, and tortured by the Gonzalez sisters, managed to escape their ranch, which they called Loma del Angel, uh, through a small gap in an exterior wall. The sisters' army captain, Zuniga, this, like, The Black guy, Eagle. Yep. Hunted for her with other Gonzalez henchmen all through what must have been a fucking harrowing and nightmarish night for poor Jesus. Catalina, who was, like, basically just chased through Through, like, through wilderness, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
So evading the Gonzalez's men who were planning to kill her on sight, Catalina managed to get to her mother and they went together to the police. Who you can't trust. Who you can't trust. Fuck. Exactly. So many members of that very police station were on the sisters' payroll, but due to the increasing bad blood over murdered cops and a stroke of pure fucking luck with who was on shift that day, the Ortegas found police who were not under the sisters' control, and a search and arrest warrant against the Gonzalez sisters was finally issued on January 14th, 1964. They'd already been doing this for like a decade Holy at this point. Holy shit. The bravery that that would have taken to involve your mother. Yep. Knowing to escape in the first like place, ninety five percent certainty that you'd both be killed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, holy shit! That it's, is so intense. It's really intense. So when the police went through the ranch, arresting the sisters who were wearing black mourning veils over Delphina's slain son. Oh, they care so like, about can you that imagine? life. No yeah. one else's life. Exactly. But you arrive to like raid this horrifying hell. And- Concentration camp brothel. And you're greeted by these two, like, grizzled witches in black veil. Don't say witches. Well, grizzled. I got a lot of respect for witches. I do, too. Grizzled monsters. Grizzled monsters. Monsters. In black veils. It's creepy. So um, they had to hold back a mob that had gathered at the gates to literally lynch these women. Mm -hmm. The sisters. Word of their kidnappings and forced prostitution had leaked out and outraged citizens. Parents of missing children and others crowded around wanting to dispense just total mob justice. And can you fucking blame them? No, No, you cannot. I want to dispense mob justice. Yep. So as angry as this mob was, no one could have imagined just how horrific what they would find in Loma del Angel would be. So dozens of dirty, emaciated women were discovered by police and reporters in a single locked room just piled in together. Mm -hmm. In a pen, Um, basically, because they were treated worse than animals. Quite literally. The girls led them to where they should dig to find the bodies of the others who didn't survive. The police made the sisters stand by and their henchmen were the ones forced to dig while the entire time the sisters shouted obscenities and threats at their captors and accusers. The bodies of at least 91 women, men, and fetuses were found in the ground and within the walls of the ranch that day. They, like, ran out of ground space. Yup. Now under heavy military guard, as the crowd was ravenous for blood, the women were suddenly at the center of of the case of the century— uh, Maria Luisa, the Gonzalez's half-sister, si- turned herself in, fearing the mobs. She was granted immunity in exchange for testifying against the other sisters, but was arrested and charged anyway in what was becoming an increasingly chaotic series of events. And quite frankly, she was complicit in all of this. And then only after the discovery was made, she was like, I have information. Right, after the mob was going to come and kill mm-hmm. her. Like, I'm sorry, no. You don't get no. fucking immunity mm-hmm. to, no. to hand over sisters that have now already been caught. Been caught. Yeah. So the trial was an absolute shit show, frequented by shouting, screaming, threats, insults, and yelling as a flood of former sex workers and regulars of the saloon were brought in, accusing the sisters of everything from kidnapping, murder, and torture to forced bestiality and Satanism. The trial was a media sensation and circus finally culminating in all three sisters uh, 
on trial. So Delfina, Maria de Jesus, and their accomplice, Maria Luisa, were all sentenced to 40 years in jail. Not enough. Not even close. Maria Luisa was the Mm half-sister, right? Correct. Yep. Um, Maria Luisa died in her cell and was found on November 19th, 1984, her body already being devoured by rats. That does not sound like kind a of a fitting you end. In. No, yeah, very, but also very bye. terrible conditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to feel sorry. Probably for, for, still better for conditions women. than what they put those women through. Women, and I girls. would absolutely assume that to be true. Delfina Gonzalez, not mentally well at the best of times, went completely mad after the verdict. She never stopped screaming and ranting until on October seventeenth, nineteen sixty-eight, as she was being transported back to her cell. Workers doing repairs above the jail looked down to catch a glimpse of the notorious criminal, and they tipped over a bucket of cement that fell directly onto Delphina's head, crushing her and killing her instantly. Like on purpose? Probably. It was never. Probably. It's deemed an accident, and I think it was entirely intentional. That's some vigilante justice. Or like dried, like I think dry. Either I way, mean, either way, a wet cement a really in a bucket heavy, is still really heavy. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <gasps> that sounds like a very swift and merciful death. Mm-hmm. And I yeah, would personally prefer to hear her to be eaten by rats. Yeah. Again, yep. I'm shouting in an office setting. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> Communal office. <laughs> so either they knew who she was and they wanted to kill her because you know she's evil and rightfully so, or she was driving. She was being super fucking annoying, screaming and ranting while they were doing work, and they just shut her up. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was, these sisters at this point were, like, so famous. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, that I I think that they knew. But, I mean, I'm not coming for that. Or both. Yep. So Maria de Jesus was the only one to live through her incarceration, though it is unknown exactly when or why she was freed, <gasps> but likely to avoid her being set upon by those seeking final judgment, because now these two other sisters had died. So they, like, had mercy on her, her and let her go. What? Who gives a shit? I don't know. I know. So after serving her time, she lived in obscurity until her death sometime in the mid-90s, and there's very little reported about her, so we really just don't know. Whoa. It's likely that the sister's final grisly total of murders needs to be amended by a deposit of about 20 skeletons that were unearthed in 2002 near the former ranch, bringing the total lives cost by their nightmare reign at minimum 110 people. And it very likely is actually more than that. Oh, my God. Is that including including the fetuses that they— the yeah. aborted ones? I believe so. It's basically they counted anything that was found in those graves and walls. Anything as... that was dead because of these women. Yeah. Correct. Whoa. So there's no way to talk about these women, their crimes, and unimaginable suffering that they cause without, you know, mentioning, as we have, the horrific poverty that led to the conditions where evils like this tend to ferment. Mm-hmm. Um, human trafficking is an absolute plague in 
all over the world mm-hmm. where poverty strips specific people of their identity mm-hmm. and is so like vulnerable populations are already preyed upon. Yep. So I figured I'd just wrap this up with some resources. So if you're living in the U.S. and you witness, suspect, or are attempting to escape from human trafficking, the National Human Trafficking Hotline is a 24-7 resource. You can call 1-888-373-7888 or discreetly text the word HELP to 233-7333 to be matched with somebody who can assist you. And also so we that, have other resources, including human trafficking. On our website. On our website, on our resources page. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, this and is the same pattern. My case. Oh, God. <laughs> that was weird. I'm sad now. That was so bad. I need more wine. I need lady fingers yeah. ASAP. <laughs> That was, I need sausage to get over this. Mm-hmm. That was really dark. Yeah, need some Fucking sausage. Brutal. But also had never heard the yep. extent of these women's. I had never of heard terror. of them. Yeah. Well. We, yeah. Never like you said, we had like they had come up so briefly in the past, and mm-hmm. then we just didn't look into it. So I'm glad you covered it. Yeah. It's just wild how many of those like, pro- quote unquote, all these prolific killers you've never heard yeah. of. It's like this shit, especially when it's like violence against marginalized communities mm-hmm. and violence against women, I feel like gets brushed under the rug and is not covered in the media. Mm-hmm. And I mean, obviously, this is from the 60s, so it's like not going to be popping up on our timelines right now mm-hmm. anyway. But we do a lot of, you know, cursory searches for these cases, and this didn't come up until research for a different case that was entirely unrelated other than mm-hmm. the fact that it was about like fam- murderous family trees. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's just wild how much of this you know, tragic history is out there. We just don't, Mm -hmm. we don't fucking know anything about it. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad that you covered it and brought it to our attention. Well, well, there it is. Special thanks this week to alcohol getting us through Mm -hmm. 2020 and also to keep up the good work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You carrying a heavy load. Not all heroes wear capes. Yeah. Um, don't need electricity to get really drunk in the dark. Yep. <laughs> sure don't. <laughs> um, also, special thanks to our fan picker, Emily Mitchell, and their twin sister, Amanda. Thank you both mm-hmm. so much for sister, sister crimes. Mm-hmm. And just a quick reminder that we've reformatted our special thanks. So now um, we're just doing a monthly special thanks Sort of in the spirit of a drunk dive, we're going to get fucking wasted and read a big old mega list of special thanks that is available on Patreon. So Mm -hmm. the special thanks, folks, that may have received a message that yours would be in this episode. It will be in the August special thanks mega list available on Patreon. And if you're not already a patron, Uh join, because that's where you'll be able to see video episodes for the foreseeable future. And other content. Lots of content on Patreon. So much content. Mm -hmm. All right. right. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 
podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Hi guys, we're Mary and Vanessa, the host of True Crime Dropouts. Join two best friends and former criminal justice majors as they pretend to know all things true crime. So sit down, grab a broom, drive, we really don't care, and give us a listen. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere really. And don't forget, stay in school, or you'll end up like us, degree lists without that fabulous FBI job.